0: Hello and welcome to the Feels Like 45 podcast. I'm Cade Webb. And as always, I am joined by Dustin Ragusa on this beautiful Tuesday
1: evening. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, man. Uh, And bearing the lead a little bit bit there, it's your birthday tomorrow. (laughs) Oh, happy birthday.
0: Well, thank you. I wasn't going to open with that.
1: So no, I appreciate (laughs) you saying. hilarious though. Yeah, man. 19 years old tomorrow.
0: So it's going to be pretty cool. I can't wait.
1: (laughs) No, uh, I'll uh, I'll tell you again tomorrow. I'll shout you out. I'll shout you out on Twitter for sure. We'll get some retweets for that for Kate's birthday. So
0: yeah, for sure. Well, I appreciate that. I walked in uh, to the office this morning and somebody said, Hey, Kate, did you know tomorrow your birthday is uh, the same day as star Wars day? Like, wow. (laughs) I haven't heard that a thousand times in the last five years. I mean, literally it might be the thing I know most about myself is that my birthday (laughs) falls on that day. So anyway, if anybody's wondering, I've heard it and never forget. (laughs) That's right. That's right. It's a huge day in American history, but Dustin, I mean, we've got plenty to get to. And last week, I mean, we, I said we were going to crest the two hour mark after the editing and some of the, the cutting room floor action we do. We barely missed it. We're at like an hour and 48 minutes or something crazy like that. So hopefully not as much going on this week, but who knows? I mean, let's just see where the, where the wind blows us.
1: Last week had to have been most one of the most jam-packed weeks outside of football season that we've had on this podcast. I think it was. It had to be. had to be with the yeah. draft coming up,
0: which we'll talk about. Spring football. Yeah, spring football, everything wrapping up. It was like everything was converging to this one point. And really, last weekend, we talked about this uh, several times, was a massive weekend in Stillwater. Spring game, baseball, softball. Um, just a lot going on, and and then the NFL draft is coming. Gone, baseball sweeps Texas. Softball, not a great weekend in Tallahassee. But again, we'll talk about all this. Um, but hopefully, a little bit more abbreviated version of the podcast this week for you on your drive into work uh, tomorrow and Thursday. But I mean, Dustin, I I think one thing we ought to lead off with, and you you put this beautifully in in the text to me, is we had to lead off with this because. It is the feels like forty five podcast, right? <laughs> and what happened in nineteen forty five, Dustin? Let's let's tell the listeners.
1: National champs, baby! It's on, right. it's it's on the wall in the stadium. Never forget. That's right. It's on the wall in the
0: stadium and on our Twitter account now. So that's important. Uh, but I mean, Bob Finnamore named uh, into the into the Ring of Honor going into this coming year. So I think that's happening at the game against Texas Tech on yeah. October eleventh.
1: Yeah, so that'll be – that'll be cool. We knew it was going to happen. What, I think we got a question maybe right after football season about the Ring of Honor, who we thought was going to be in next. And, you know, we said Bob Finnamore was going to have to be in there at some point. They probably – he's probably the first person that needs to go in there. But you pro, you wanted to start with Barry Sanders, Thurman Thomas, guys that could be there as Mr. Finnamore has since passed away. But his family will be there. I believe it's his daughters that are going to be down on the field. That's cool. But the dude – when you go anytime there's something about Bob Finnamore and you go look at how he, he posted like 2000 yards every season. He played like a thousand on the ground, a thousand through the air. He punted. He's like top 10 in punting every year. He was on that national championship team. The rec his career yard total record wasn't broken until Mike Gundy in the 1980s. <laughs> That's w- absolutely wild. It, maybe as a testament to how bad OSU was at football in some of those years, but still amazing. Nonetheless, he was the first ever all American number one, overall draft pick by the Chicago bears. And I believe his number is one of the only ones that's actually retired the 55. I think you may be correct there, Dustin. Sorry. As you were talking, I was dying over here. So (laughs)
0: hitting the mute button and everything, but I got to be honest with you. I get my Fenimore's and in my in my Curlin's mixed up, my Bob's. I get my Bob's <laughs> twisted. But this one felt obvious to me. It was like, you got through Thurman, you got through Barry. Now you got to go through the backlog and get the guys in there that need to go in. So a great honor. Um, you know, I didn't know that about Mike Gundy having supplanted Bob Fenimore's record. That was intact for like 40 years.
1: I didn't know Yeah, that. Absolutely. wild. One thing I was wanted to mention to you UK and see what you thought about it is do we go down on the field and help accept <laughs> yeah i think i think we are
0: we have been asked no uh <laughs> i that was fantastic i did not expect you to ask me that um okay. But, I mean, I, I think it's not disrespectful, if anything. I mean, we're shining light on on this legacy as well. So, uh, really, I would almost expect it. So, um, no pressure there. But a, a great story regardless. Dustin, I mean, who's, who's going in next? Do you have any inkling there? I mean, Fenimore did seem to be the obvious one. Um, this is going to be like an ongoing conversation because it seems like now every year they're going to add somebody in as needed until they kind of get caught up.
1: Yeah, I think it's gotta be. It's gotta be a defender, right? You got to go with someone on the defense that you've got three offensive players in a row. I mean, do you have to? I don't know. I get. I guess you could go with one of the wide receivers. You haven't had somebody there. I, I think. I was trying to think. I was. I was. Trying to see if there was anybody on offense I would have before Leslie O'Neill. So I was just googling a little bit, but I think it's I think Leslie O'Neill would be my pick. That's actually the name that was uh you know
0: ping-ponging around in my brain was Leslie O'Neill. If they were gonna go defense, he's clearly the first one.
1: Yeah. And you you couldn't go wrong with the Justin Blackman or Sean Woods, anyone on oh, Mike Gundy. I think they're gonna wait on Gundy until he's retired, but there's so many names. You could even go with someone from farther back if you wanted to, some of the running backs, because there's a ton at Oklahoma State all time. So I, I think I think you will know, Leslie O'Neal, though. I think that would be cool.
0: I, I like it. I don't think I even disagree with you. If they were going to throw an offensive player in, um, <clears throat> man, I feel like it would be some I, – I really think it could be like a Des Bryant or somebody like that uh more of a recent player than you might expect um cuz I, I think after Barry and Thurman like i think Mike Gundy is a great one but he's probably he'll go in after he's retired i would think maybe but who mm-hmm. knows so anyway it's a fun discussion and one that i'm sure we'll have as as uh, time goes on but yeah a great great story for Fenimore
1: Terry Miller will probably make it in at some point i would think just with all the accolades at his time there. I don't know if he he's not maybe as popular of the name recently as a Thurman or a Barry, or like you said, a Dez, but I would think he gets in there. Well, and I would think that at some point they don't
0: just do this every year. They're not going to add somebody to the ring of honor every year. They've right. got to get through the obvious ones. Um, and then, you know, it might be like a, as they see it, as they feel the need basis. So anyway, Naso also Poe guy yeah he's got to get in there recent follower that feels like 45 podcast, by the way so
1: shout out to our boy also we love him yeah we brought him up on here millions of times I think he's one of the first quarterback names I've I remember from Oklahoma State I so. think he
0: was the starting quarterback at the first Oklahoma State game I ever attended so it's just such a great name you've got to say it it really is it's like you and only the real ones know You know what I mean? Like only the real Oklahoma state fans know Osso PO guy. Like you can, you can spot a poser immediately. Like if you're at a bar, somebody (laughs) comes up to you, starts talking to you about Oklahoma state quarterbacks and you drop Osso PO guy. They're either in or they're out. There's no in between. Like not out of the conversation. They're out of the bar. Yeah, out of the bar because, yeah, of course, at that point, we can't tolerate them. So, Um, But, Dustin, moving on to maybe some more tragic news in our world, mine and yours, um, you know, it's a little tongue-in-cheek. I mean, the Prince Pines decommitment last week. um, I'll just start with this. We cannot be held liable for decommitments after commitments. We can just tell you when we think a commitment is coming, and that's what we did. So we can't be held liable for what happens after that. So, Dustin, you're – reaction
1: to that news yeah Prince Pines flipping to Tulane so he's Sam Houston State transfer that we thought was going to come in and probably compete right away after the Cole Birmingham news for a starting guard spot played at Baylor played at Sam Houston all-conference guy watched the film really liked what we saw on him pretty pumped about him coming in it's going to be here in the fall he decided to flip closer to home it sounds it sounds like that was, from what we're hearing, and Kate, correct me if I'm wrong, but from what we're hearing, it sounds like it was just a close to home thing, being close to family. I don't know if there's a girlfriend, close to home type thing as well, but he's from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, went to Tara High School. Shout out to my mom, uh, Tara alum herself. <laughs> but it's, it's tough news, but I don't think it's any kind of like Tulane flipped him because he would... He thought you know Tulane was a better school than Oklahoma State. I know that it's tough to hear a Tulane flip from a guy we thought was going to come in and compete. But it was. I think it was kind of an iffy situation with him the whole time. You remember if we talked about it, Casey Collier, Jason Brooks, and Prince Pines all went on a visit together. They left, and Collier and Brooks had committed, and they hadn't heard anything from Pines yet. Comes back and commits, but then I think when it got – kind of to the point of making housing plans, stuff like that. He called back and just said, hey, I'm going to flip to Tulane. I want to be closer to the home. So tough situation. I don't think it's the end of the world, but it's definitely not great for the offensive line.
0: Yeah, it's a, a huge disappointment. We had Prince Pine circled for a really long time. And so to, to see that news, I actually never considered, you know, after this decommitment happened, what you just laid out. And he was the last one to commit and was really the one that everybody was waiting on. And so, you know, you can't fault a kid. I mean, what, 22 years old wanting to be closer to home at this point in his life. I mean, you can't, you can't fault him for it, but it does give the offensive line some some issues. I mean, you had, we had talked about him as potentially slotting in to that spot that Cole Birmingham leaves open. And now there's, inevitable shuffling it's going to happen now somebody's going to be playing somewhere I think unless Jason Brooks fills in at that right guard I mean somebody's going to be playing out a position if they don't come in if those two guys don't come in and aren't ready to go
1: yeah so let's talk we kind of did this already Cade whenever whenever Cole Birmingham went down we heard the rumors about it now it's been confirmed by multiple news news sources that he's probably going to miss significant time if not the entire year So let's break it down. Let's say, let's say Jason Brooks and Casey Collier can't come in and play right away. They just, they can't, they're a little out of shape. They can't get the playbook. We hope that doesn't happen. I think we've laid out these lines before on here, but let's just go through them again. So I would think, and let me know your thoughts on this, but you could go two ways. Caleb Etienne at left tackle, Taylor Matirko at left guard, Preston Wilson at center, Hunter Woodard at right guard, Jake Springfield at right tackle. And you could flip the guards there if you yeah. want Woodard on the left side. Yeah, Or or if you don't want Materko in the lineup, you go Caleb Etienne, Preston Wilson at left guard, who, ha- who has had a ton of snaps at left guard, if you remember from a couple of seasons ago. Oh, that's right. Joe Mahulski at center, Hunter Woodard at right guard, and Jake Springfield at right tackle. So look, that's if, if Brooke Collier can't come in and play right away, I think those would be the two the two scenarios that I would feel most comfortable with. I, th-
0: I think I like option two in that regard. We just haven't seen Matirko really at all, right? I mean,
1: just the spring. Yeah, yeah just in the spring, spring game and what we've heard.
0: So to me, Springfield's played meaningful snaps. Uh, Mahalski has played meaningful snaps. Um, Preston Wilson is familiar at left guard. To me, lo- uh, that second option makes makes a lot of sense in my mind. But you hope that's not the yeah. case. You hope that they can get uh, Casey Collier and Jason Brooks in, and one or both of those guys are quite ready to go. Here's the deal. Prince Pines was going to come in and compete. There was no surefire guarantee he was going to be a starter. And so really all you now know is that you
1: took a hit to your depth at this point in time. So that's really all you know. If Pines comes in a bit out of shape, you know Gundy and Glass are not going to play him right away. Maybe oh, yeah. by the middle of the season, so there's there's a huge chance that happens coming from a like a smaller school like Sam Houston. Now maybe it doesn't, but that was always a possibility. So I just looked it up uh, on PFF, Cade Taylor Matirko, all 139 of his snaps that he's played in a game since 20 2020 and 21 season were at tackle, either la- mainly left, and then a few at right tackle. So he hasn't even played a snap oh, in a wow. game at guard. Yeah, so that.
0: That alone, I mean, Matirko just not a – I mean, I'm surprised he's played 140 snaps or whatever you said there. It didn't seem like it to me, but – It was a
1: lot of shuffling.
0: Yeah, lots (laughs) of shuffling. You really never knew who where where anybody was. So, uh, which of those would you prefer? I
1: think – I like two. I think I like them almost the same. I do really like Preston Wilson at center because I think – That's where we're recruiting him at. That's what he was playing. I think he feels really comfortable there. He's a really smart guy. We've talked about it on here, really technically sound. I just think he would be great at the center spot, but he has experience there as well. I I think K dream scenario, and this is going off the parameters I just set is you have Jason Brooks slot in at that left guard spot, because we know he's played at the power five level, even at Vanderbilt, he's played that left guard spot. I said when I watched his film, even though he played tackle as well, he looked more comfortable at guard. If he could come in and start there, I think you feel like going into that first game, hey, man, this guy showed something in the fall to where Dickey, Coach Dickey, Coach Glass, and Coach Gundy thought he was ready to go. And that would make me feel pretty comfortable about the ones. Well, I mean, it leads us right into
0: this discussion. What, what do you think they're going to do next? I mean, the transfer portal is closed. That doesn't mean you can't pull somebody out of it. It just means that nobody else can enter. So from August or May 1st to August 1st, nobody can enter the transfer portal unless their name was like submitted beforehand. So like today, uh, this kid out of uh, Pitt, pit, he apparently put his name in the transfer portal a few days ago. Cause now it comes out that he's in the transfer portal. If you don't see him in there now, they will not be able to enter until August 1st. So now right. that leaves the question, what are they going to do?
1: Yeah. And Kate, you explained that. Great. So thank you for doing that. So if you, if you enter on August 1st, you're not eligible for this season either. So that would oh, be a, for yeah. next season. So like you said, nobody else can enter if they want to play this season and it was on May 1st. And like you said, we don't have access to the real transfer portal. We're getting the two, four, seven rivals transfer portal. So, as you mentioned, the pit wide receiver it comes out a few days later. I've got a couple names for you, Cade. I'm ready. Do you want me to re- do? You want me to re- <laughs> I'm back, <laughs> I'm back to my old space. Oh dear, I'm ready. Uh, so one of these was sent to us by our guy DJ. So shout out to DJ. He sends us uh, some solid info, a lot on recruiting and stuff like that. We may have him on the pod in the future because he's got some good uh, some good recruiting knowledge. So we've got DeAndre Doran. Buffalo guy, not not my not my guy McDuffie. This guy plays on the offensive line. 6'4", 284 pounds, entered the portal on April 28th. He's – all of his snaps have been at right tackle, 853 snaps uh, at right tackle last season. I think he's got the build, the toughness, and the overall just kind of technicality of an offensive lineman to slot inside – Even if not, adding more tackles allows you to move some of these guys you may have backup tackle back inside, like a guy like Eli Ross, a Logan Nobles, a Jason Brooks who could also play tackle. That Getting more tackles allows you to put some of these other guys back inside. So even if he was only able to come in and play tackle, I like him for that. Um, Along with him, I have Jonah Miller is. His name sound, might sound familiar. Oklahoma State actually recruited him out of high school. He's an Oregon guy, 6'7", 260. They flipped him to defensive line at Oregon, but I believe that's one of the reasons he entered the portal. He wants to go back to the offensive side. He was one of the top offensive guards out of high school, and right now a lot of articles I've seen have him listed as one of the top guys still in the portal, so I think it would be tough, but he has the Oklahoma State connection. We've recruited him in the past. And then, Kate, I've got one more – of the portal before we talk about the recent offer he he's another guy who it looks like he entered yesterday even though it closed on sunday so obviously he he had that in there before dimitri emmanuel 6'2, 306 pounds from charlotte 287 snaps at left guard 167 at right tackle and one at right guard he just entered the portal i think he has some fsu ties but this is a guy who I believe would have two years of eligibility left. He's a senior, but he has the COVID year. Could come in and I think play or at least give you some depth at guard right away with the experience there. I know it's a smaller school at Charlotte, but he was, I think, recruited not super highly out of high school, but pretty decently. So those are three guys. I know none of them are super wowing, but any of those any of those sound good to you?
0: Uh, I'll, I mean, at this point, I'll, I'll take a warm body. Um, one that was disappointing was Jalen Jeffers out of Oregon, who when he entered the portal, there was a connection between Oklahoma State. I think he had Oklahoma State in his top four or something like that coming out of high school. So there was a connection there ends up going to UCLA. So that's a little bit disappointing there. I thought maybe Oklahoma State had a shot, uh, really no clue anymore in, in this day and age where somebody's leaning out of the transfer portal. Um, so that was a little disappointing. But again, I think at this point, based on the lineup you gave me, that that starting five is good enough in, in my mind. It's good enough to get you to Dallas, which is what I think the ultimate goal is. You need somebody that can come in and play meaningful snaps they've called upon. So any of those three guys would. And then, you know, another offer like this week um, out of Butler Community College. Why don't you tell us a little bit bit about him? Um, Because I think this is an interesting prospect who's gaining a lot of attraction like nationally right now.
1: Yeah, he's very interesting. Cooper Lovelace. He calls himself the most flexible big man in the nation. And he's got a video on his Twitter where he's doing some, I honestly don't even know what he's doing. It's some kind of stretching, the splits. He's flipping all around. It's very impressive for a guy who's 6'4", 6'5", 320 pounds. But he only played one year of high school football. So that's why he went to JUCO. He didn't get recruited very much at all. He's a Kansas guy. Butler Community College may sound familiar. That's where we got Caleb Etienne. So that the Oh, Deredo, Kansas. Recruiting. Yep. Yes. So his recruitment didn't really start picking up until late April. He got, uh, I believe, a Kansas offer, Iowa State, and he's got USC, and then recently from Oklahoma State and Florida. So I think the only visit he's really taken was a KU one. All of his offers before that were kind of smaller schools, I saw a 247 article about USC where they talked about, or he talked about how excited he was for the USC offer. So that doesn't make me feel too confident. I think he's been to Florida on an unofficial before they offered, but he says he's a football junkie now. Says He watches a ton of NFL game pass, which is like the all 22. He's all about football, doesn't go out. He sounds like he's just completely invested in football. And I, lo- I love to hear that. He's, he looks like he could come in and play guard, maybe not right away, probably take him a year to get to the kind of power five level status that that we saw, you know, Caleb at the end have to do as well. But he's an intriguing guy. I don't know. I don't know if he's a guy that could come in and start right away. I think I agree with you. I think there's a little bit of
0: this too. He's had some late activity. I mean, USC, Oklahoma State, and Florida, all within like, Forty-eight hours. I think all of those schools are probably in a similar situation where it's like we need depth, and we're going to go find somebody, and and that's how you end up getting this super late uh, traction with the recruit like this because he's one of the guys available now. There's less, so, so they all need somebody. Um, if you ask me, man, he sounds like he's Florida bound the way he talks. Right? He says when he got offered. He said, I didn't even know what to say about being offered by Florida. So it's just a little tough at that point. I don't know how uphill the battle is here, um, but it seems like he might be a little bit, maybe even shocked by his own like traction within the last 48 hours. I'm sure that's crazy to get a phone call from USC, Oklahoma State, and Florida within 48 hours when they weren't on your radar.
1: Yeah. it's going to be interesting to see what he does with those offers because I believe an article that I saw said he was going to try to commit by May 14th, which I think is their graduation date at Bullock community college. But now his offers are picking up. He may delay that. Who knows? I know he probably wants to get somewhere soon, but he's he played at Bullock community college and his highlight tape. It looked like he was playing right and left guard, some tackle on the left side as well. He's been a, they did some pull stuff, some gap schemes, some, some zone as well. So I think, I think he's a guy that would be a huge asset to this team. And possibly, you know, he's a guy that comes in in the fall. And if an injury happens, he's someone that can maybe step up once he gets, once he gets into like a little bit better shape mid season or something like that. We'll see. I'm not super optimistic with some of the other offers there, but who knows? Well, I just, I just want to read the rest of this quote really quickly
0: because it's interesting, and to me, like if he ends up at Oklahoma State after reading this, um, I, I think I'd be surprised. He says, quote, when I was on FaceTime with USC head coach Lincoln Riley the other night, he was at his house. I literally screamed. I lost it. I've been keeping it so cordial as much as I can. But it was one of those moments where I was like, dude, what is going on right now? He offered me on the phone call 90 seconds in and we talked for 20 more minutes. And I couldn't tell you one word that came out of his mouth after he said that. And I was having a full on conversation. And then it was the same thing with Coach Napier calling me on Monday. I didn't even know what to say. The Florida Gators. It's surprising, but it's not. It's it's cool, like to see that happen for a kid like who's probably just busted his tail. But again, as it relates to Oklahoma State, which is why we're here, why we're talking uh, like he's probably not like coming in and and taking a press. not screaming box. when Mike Gundy. calls. He's him. not apparently not screaming when Mike Gundy calls him from the chopper, which is <laughs> like that's that's a that's an eye opener right there in my mind. So,
1: yeah, no, I, I agree with you though. I, I I don't know if he's a guy that would just be physically ready and I could be wrong. Like I said, he's the most flexible big man, but one year of high school football and then I think two years at Butler Community College just doesn't seem like a lot there, but I, I like him. I'm not saying I don't like him. I, I think, I think it would be cool if he came in. So we'll, we'll see.
0: Out of Shawnee Mission East High School up, in my, up near my old stomping ground. So it'll be interesting to see what he does. Um, just a couple of other notes. I mean, Dustin Peyton Thompson, quarterback, I would have been number four on our depth chart uh, entering the transfer portal. Any cause for concern there now that you only got three really on the depth chart as a whole, I think.
1: Yeah, so he he's been there for three years. He's been the scout team quarterback, which. You know, three years of the same guy on the scout team quarterback. Apparently, he's given it his all every single time in practice. Everybody loves him in that spot. He looked good in the spring game. I guess it's a little bit of a blow, but unless something's changed, they have Gavin Parker coming in from Hooker, Oklahoma, a preferred on. He committed, I think in February, 6'5, 210 pounds. So they've got another walk on, preferred walk on guy coming in that has, you know, just ridiculous high school stats coming from Hooker. And I think he could easily come in and fill Peyton Thompson's role. Now Peyton's a more veteran guy. I believe he's a Tulsa union kid. He's a great player. I think you'll feel it some in practice. I'm sure the guys will. I don't know we as fans will ever see anything with it unless there's a huge run of injuries, which we hope and pray that doesn't happen for multiple reasons. But with Gavin Parker coming in, I think you're okay there unless something's happened and he's Long, I, I know he still has it as his pinned tweet on Twitter, but I think we're fine there, kid. There was honestly, I don't even know if you and I talked about this, but Darian Jones. We mentioned him in the one of the two deeps from spring practice when there was no <laughs> offensive lineman. I think he was playing guard, a walk on. He also transferred, so two walk ons are gone. That's right. Okay, that yeah. that's why that rang a bell when I saw it on Twitter.
0: Okay, gotcha. Well, yeah, I mean, I
1: don't think either is big news though.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree with you, and that's probably a good thing after Prince Pines flips his commitment. Any any news out of the transfer portal, if it's in a negative way, you really want it to not be all that big of a deal. So I, right. think, I think that's okay. Uh, Dustin, anything else kind of in that vein of things? We've got the NFL draft to cover. I mean, lots of good stuff to get into there. Anything on your end that you wanted to talk about before we move on?
1: No, just that, you know, Hunter Woodard will be back silo sparrow will be back joe maholsky will be back preston wilson's already pretty much back you've got calvin henry coming in davis dodson austin kowecki there's going to be a lot of alignment on this roster so i wouldn't get i wouldn't get worried about it. i know one of our questions we can go ahead and just mention now our guy m camera one he said what the heck are we going to do now that we lost prince vines and hopefully we answer that with this last little five minute discussion appreciate the question brother but um I think, I think we'll be fine. I think we'll yeah. be okay. It's, a, it's not good, not great for depth, but I, I like what we still have. Yeah, I, I'm with you, Dustin.
0: Uh, before we move on, though, I do want to say a quick thank you to sponsor the Feels Like 45 podcast, Price Buckley with Edward Jones. Price is the fourth generation in his family to graduate from Oklahoma State University, and he loves working with fellow alumni. Price uses a personalized approach to build a custom investment strategy Tailored to your unique goals and circumstances so that you can turn your ideal future into a reality. You can reach Price at 469 757 0290 or on his website at edwardjones.com forward slash Price Buckley. That's B U C K L E Y. And again, you can reach him at 469 757 0290. Price, appreciate your support of the Feels Like 45 podcast and the sick new pop filter that keeps my levels from peaking when I read your ad. So very, very good and appreciative of that. We love you price. <laughs> we, 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 we sure you. do. Dustin, great things happening out of the NFL draft and, and just
1: off the bat. Did we nail it? We kind of nailed it. We got really close. So I know we had Malcolm, we had Devin Harper. Yep. We don't think many people had. Just toot our own horn there. We had Colby Harville Peel getting drafted. He ended up going uh, to the Houston Texans as an uh, undrafted free agent.
0: Great fit. But then
1: we came back at the very end and said we thought Christian Holmes could be a a sleeper that gets drafted late. So I'll take three out of four there. That's pretty good.
0: Colby (laughs) Harville Peel would have been – I mean, that would have been the one that we may have been stretching on. But Devin Harper, I – I want to start with him and we'll get to the others because I think Devin Harper was the one that everybody maybe thought should have been drafted, but was overlooked potentially. And then you heard some smoke about the Dallas Cowboys a couple weeks back. Um, at least definitely was, was uh, having discussions with the staff there. They clearly liked what they saw because they went and got him in the sixth round, which I thought was an aggressive move. So that makes me think that there was somebody else out there that also really liked Devin Harper. And I think he was talking with the Colts too, if I'm not mistaken. Colts and Cowboys were two teams that he was connected to pretty heavily. But, I mean, ends up with my Dallas Cowboys. I think an absolutely perfect fit, just the way the roster shapes up. There's not a lot there beyond Leighton Vander Esch. They they could use some depth at that spot.
1: Yeah. And, kid, we mentioned it last week on the podcast. He met with so many teams – somebody was probably going to take him because if he gets to free agency, he can pick himself. So you're right. that I, They had to have heard mo- like rumblings somebody was somebody out. somebody else was yep. going to take him at least in the, the, maybe the sixth, but possibly the seventh. They went ahead and took him. Did they go two linebackers back to back? Uh They did. Yeah. They, they did. took uh, Harris from LSU too. Yeah. Right? Which I loved that pick too. So. I actually saw, I was just kind of looking right after the draft. I saw a couple of Dallas Cowboys articles, and you know the team way better than me, but that said they liked the Harper pick better. they. I liked
0: pick. the Harper pick when they got him because I've yeah. seen so much of him that I'm like, I think he's like all told, I think he's probably like a fourth round prospect. Like I think he just flew under the radar so much uh, that even getting drafted at sixth, in the 6th round feels too low in my opinion. I felt the same way for Malcolm but I I loved the pick because I think he's going to play and I think he's going to play a lot.
1: Well, and here's the thing with Devin Harper. You hit on it as well, but he's a guy with his measurables, the speed, the vertical, you know he can tackle. He comes in right away and plays special teams and's probably really good on special teams. And then you've got a great special teams player that you got in the sixth round that maybe one day turns into a linebacker in the yeah. NFL. Yeah, for so sure. It's, it's almost a win-win. You're going to get a special teams guy. I mean, you took him in the sixth round, but it's the sixth round and you've got this freak athlete now that can tackle. That That's how I felt about it.
0: And I, I thought it was a great fit. We're obviously like, we're, we're not talking about Micah Parsons. He is, he is a linebacker for the Dallas Cowboys. But he plays so much of that rover role, like he's always running around, uh, standing up on the defensive line. You almost forget about him as a linebacker because he's always in the mix uh, up front. So anyway, some, some real potential for Devin Harper to play some meaningful minutes behind those two guys, in my opinion. So I love the pick. I really love the fit. And I think he actually, like, I think he's going to be there for a while. I, I think he's going to have a good start to his career there.
1: And just six picks before him, Malcolm Rodriguez goes, do you think, did you think it was going to be that close? Uh, no, I didn't think it would be that close. Those two picks together. I mean, yeah, no,
0: no, I knew, I know what you mean. I didn't think it would be that close. Um, I thought maybe fifth and sixth round for those two guys, like, respectively. But, uh, I mean, that was pretty cool, right? And as I told you the other day, we texted about this off air. What does that do for recruiting for Oklahoma State? In conversations, in a kid's living room, who's thinking about, oh, man, do I go to K-State? Do I go to Iowa State? Do I go to Texas Tech or Oklahoma State? Well, as a linebacker, Oklahoma State just put their two starters in the NFL. So come here and you'll play in the NFL. That is a great recruiting pitch, especially separating you against similar, uh, you know, programs of stature. Like I would compare those four plus, you know, like a BYU as they come in a Cincinnati, like you can look at those six programs and say, no, you
1: should come here if you want to go to the NFL, that's a big time deal even if it's in great, even if it's the seventh round, right. It doesn't even matter. Yeah. So I, I think that's awesome. I do love the Malcolm pick. I think a couple injuries for Detroit and oh yeah, you could see him rotating in at that buck line, but that, I think that's what they call their linebacker that buck linebacker spot, but he's another guy with his speed and his tackling ability, special teams almost right away. I totally
0: agree. And much like Devin Harper, I love the fit here in Detroit. Like, I know a lot of OSU fans are like, oh, well, it's the Detroit Lions, and they're cursed, and they ruined Barry Sanders' career. They had a great draft. Yeah, okay, that's all well and good. But if you're wanting immediate return on Malcolm Rodriguez's, like, selection and placement in the draft, Detroit's a great spot for him. There's really nobody there. Like, he he can go in and make plays early and, and – contribute meaningful minutes and meaningful reps like i i feel very similar about his pick as i do um as i do devin harper's because they Mm -hmm. they just went at the right time to what i think is a great opportunity for both of those guys i mean you don't want to go somewhere where there's a log jam at linebacker in a late round where they take a flyer on you and you get ping-ponged around in the nfl and then you're out of the league i think both of these guys landed in a really really good spot
1: yeah and then you've got the last one that was actually drafted as Christian Holmes to the Washington commanders picked two forty in round seven. From what i've seen, washington needs has some depth needs at cornerback, so Holmes might be able to make the squad. It would be awesome um. I
0: really don't like that he's in the NFC East with my Dallas Cowboys. That's a bummer because we'll see him twice a year. And then I'll be hoping that James Washington burns him on a go route or otherwise. And so you don't really want that. And nobody's talking about, there's going to be some real cowboy on cowboy crime here.
1: We're not used to that in the NFL. We're really not. There's a lot of, there's a lot of Oklahoma state guys in the NFL right now. And a lot of guys that are, you know, actually playing or at least, in a kind of depth role. So yeah, no doubt. I wanted to ask you, let me run through them real quick. And I wanted to ask you your favorite of the undrafted free agents. So you've got Israel Antoine to Jacksonville, Jalen Warren to the Pittsburgh Steelers, Josh Sills to Philadelphia, KHP to the Houston Texans. We said that earlier, Tay Martin to San Francisco, Trey Sterling to Green Bay Packers and LD Brown got invited to the New York Jets, uh, which is your favorite.
0: My favorite one there. I mean, I love Colby Harville at at Houston. I think that's a pretty good fit. I like Tay Martin in San Francisco too. He's a little bit unique for what they're trying to do, but like maybe with no Debo Samuel, they finally throw the ball past five yards downfield and quit (laughs) this little inside outside stuff. I mean, maybe they switch some things up, but I wonder how much of a scheme fit he is. Um, but I, I think I like it right now. It seems like they need somebody at wide receiver
1: and he may be able to make the team. And Shanahan will bring these wide receiver. He'll draft all. Wide oh receivers yeah. If you oh him, yeah. And just make them into players. So I think, I think that's a great spot. He was going to be one of mine, unless you didn't pick it. And I think my other one, I think i like Jalen Warren at the Steelers. And little James Najee Connor Har- to him. Yeah. Yeah. Najee Harris is going to get all the carries, but for the, the time that he needs a spell, why not put in a guy who can pass block, who can catch out of the backfield, who's got the shiftiness to, you know, make some plays on third down if needed. I think Jalen Warren, I'm not saying he's going to be the number two right away, but I do like that spot for him.
0: Well, I only bring up James Conner. obviously now with the Cardinals. I, I just think that that's a similar role for him. I know he's smaller, probably not as fast, maybe shiftier than James Conner, but you can see him playing a similar role. Yeah. Najee Harris is going to get 25 carries a game, uh, but maybe, maybe Jalen Warren comes in and, and steals some reps. What'd you think about LD going to the jets?
1: Yeah. If I think LD can make a roster, I think he's a guy that can play on special teams. He's like, He's very fast. What did he run at the pro day? with Like four or five? Oh, I'm not. I'm not sure. I know I mean, he's. I can't remember off the top of my head, but he's straight. He's line, a four, 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 five fast. guy. Very fast, especially when he gets when he gets a little bit of momentum going. I I don't know if he'll make the team, but best of luck to LD. I I haven't seen anything about Godlewski or Logan Carter to my knowledge. I don't know if they're I even trying either. anymore. I know I know Godlewski tweaked something at pro day. So I don't know if he's decided to hang him up or if he's just gonna try to get on a team sometime later on. But
0: man, that's tough. Cause you gotta wonder if he doesn't get hurt, like he's probably gonna put something on film to where somebody at least gives him a shot
1: as an undrafted free agent. That's tough. Yeah, I agree. I I just it sucks for my bank account that now I have to buy all these jerseys. Hey,
0: I will rock a Tay Martin number one jersey at, at San Francisco. That'd be sweet. <laughs> He's very similar to Brandon Aiyuk, too. Like, those are similar receivers, similar good measurables. Yeah, good route runners. So, i be curious to see where he kind of fits in there. Um, but, anyway, I said I like the fit. I'm not walking that back. We'll see what happens. But a, a really great weekend. I love the NFL draft. It's really cool to see three Oklahoma State guys go. Um Maybe like a, a flash forward ahead, and I know I'm putting you on the spot here, but like the one guy next year that you would circle on this Oklahoma State roster and say, like you, Malcolm Rodriguez just went highest from Oklahoma State. Who's the guy on the roster right now that one year from now we're talking about as the highest uh, picked Oklahoma State player in the NFL draft?
1: It's got to be somebody on the D line, huh?
0: It's I, think it's Tyler, be- I
1: think it's Tyler Lacey. It's got, I was going to say, I love Tyler Lacey, so that'd be fine with me. It's got to be a forward, a Lacey, somebody like that. I would think if you're just going to make me pick off the top of my head, I really haven't even thought about it that much, but I think I'm going to go with, yeah, one of the, one of the defensive linemen, somebody.
0: Yeah. I think it's Tyler Lacey. I don't know where he'll land, but I feel like he's more versatile than people give him credit for. I feel like he's a stronger player, better athlete than people really even consider because he's flanked by colin oliver and brock martin um like i i, I think tyler Lacey could be as high as like a fourth round pick like i could totally see that happening
1: what if oklahoma state's offensive line performs really well this year and maybe a hunter woodard
0: yeah i love it i would love that one one draft pick on the offensive line and oklahoma state's back in dallas
1: <laughs> oh <laughs> Well, okay, let me take the IV of orange Kool-Aid out of my arm. Really quick. Yeah, okay. Sorry. I
0: love speaking in absolutes here. It's like if Oklahoma state does one thing, they're going back to doubt.
1: No, Um no, I think defensive line. I think that's the smart, the smart pick there. And I think Tyler Lacey is a good pick. Um Let us know. Let us know on that's Twitter a, who yeah. your favorite undrafted free agent was and who you think could go highest. We love that. You guys know I'll, I'll respond to you on Twitter at any time of the day, so <laughs> feel free to uh, send those send those in. He he's not
0: messing around. Uh, that that's absolutely a true offer, Dustin. Real quick, wrapping up the football part of the podcast. Um, eval period has started. Anything you're looking for there um, as as noteworthy going forward?
1: Not really. Basically, what the eval period is, it starts. Um, it goes until May 31st, I believe. The coaches are just. Traveling all over. The head coach can't be on the college campus. It's a no-contact period for him, but all the assistants can be on campus. Meeting with the, meeting with the potential recruits, I'm sure Coach Mason's just going to roam around all over and check out the top commits. Coach Dunn will be looking at wide receivers for the future classes. I believe Tim Duffy does Dallas-Fort Worth. Mac and does East Texas. Hammer does uh, some Texas schools in Louisiana. Dicky and Wozniak do the Houston area. And I'm sure Dickie will kind of move all around and then retail be looking at quarterbacks. So just kind of looking all around. So see maybe some more offers pop up some commits. I'll be real interested to see what happens there. Kate, I did one note. I don't think we talked about off the podcast. I think from what I've heard, Brock, Brock Glenn, the other 2023 quarterback that Oklahoma state was interested in, you know, they took same floors. I think he's either an Auburn. Or I believe it was Mississippi state lean right now even though he has Oklahoma state in his final four, it sounds like they're kind of out of the mix, which isn't really a surprise, but not a, I, I'm not sure what all interesting will happen in the eval period. I forgot about the defensive coaches. Richmond will be in Texas as well. Joe Bob, Texas and Kansas. So we'll we'll, we'll just kind of see it's, it's a fun time. Um, and we'll see what comes from it. Yeah, no doubt. It's always cool to see the guys at Oklahoma
0: state ends up maybe taking a flyer on. And then maybe the ones that, they, they really, really want um, which one that I know they really, really want is Avion Carter. That is an interesting prospect right there um, because he j- just recently cut his top four. Oklahoma state is in it. And I mean, that's a four-star defensive player right there. I think that they would love to have him.
1: Oh yeah. So it's TCU, Texas tech, Texas and OSU in his final four. And, Kate, I think we have a real shot. This guy is a freak. Go watch his huddle tape. If he commits, I'll do a full breakdown on his actual film. But if you watch his huddle tape, he's an absolute animal. 6'4", 240-pounder, pretty much lines up all over the defensive line. I believe they stand him up at times as well. He was the 2-5A defensive player of the year last season. I believe he's the number 90 overall prospect in the 2023 class, number 12 defensive lineman. I said, four-star four star from Amarillo. I think we've got a real shot. I think Texas and Texas Tech are real players as well. Obviously, I just named three of the four schools. But um, if, he, if he commits to Oklahoma State, I would not be shocked. I don't think it's a high possibility, but I do think they're a major player. Yeah, I mean, right now, he's only got one crystal
0: ball prediction, and it's to Texas. Our old friend Mike Roach with that pick there, so <laughs> – Uh you don't love that one, but it's only at a six out of out of confidence. So anyway it was like
1: early March, right?
0: Yeah, it's that that pick is a little bit old. Yeah, March 9th. So almost two months old here. That was before he had put his uh top four out there. So I definitely think Oklahoma State has a shot here. Not a foregone conclusion, but man, it that would be a really good pull. And I think going back to the recruiting and being able to show what you had on your roster in previous years and what happened with them like man I feel like they've got something they can show to a kid like that and say hey you want to get into the NFL as my daughter comes screaming past my microphone I apologize if (laughs) I know that was loud that one was a no doubter uh but (laughs) um I, I hey, think, that's,
1: that's just what happens when you buy. Them. Yeah,
0: that's just part of it. Um, so regardless, I think Avion Carter would be a phenomenal fit for Oklahoma State. We'll just see if they can finish the deal.
1: Yeah, no, I completely agree. I, Kid, really, I think that's all I really had on recruiting and football. If, if you have anything additional, we can kind of keep going there. But it might be time to move into basketball. And I believe it there's is. There's a lot going on there.
0: It is. Thank you for segueing us. Before we do that, let's take a break and hear a word from one of our sponsors. All right, guys, listen up. Sponsor on the podcast, Homefield Apparel is absolutely crushing it. If you haven't checked them out yet, you absolutely need to. I mean, they are leading the charge in premium vintage coll- Collegiate apparel right now. Uh, I mean they are offering vintage college sports t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies with over a hundred schools available. and I mean they're adding new ones all the time. This is the perfect gift. Uh, Homefield apparel for the sports fan, for the college sports fan. You got to go check them out and use our promo code, Feels 12. To get 15% off your first order. And of course, all orders over $100 get free shipping as always. Promo code FEELS12, 15% off your first order and all orders over $100 get free shipping at Homefield Apparel. Visit them at homefieldapparel.com. Okay, welcome back. Great segue there, Dustin. Appreciate you doing that. Always good when you take the reins and push us where we need to go. I appreciate you doing that. But let's move into basketball because there's a lot to talk about, and, and this is always fun. I know it's it's a different part of our brain, uh, me and you, but uh, definitely excited to talk about it. Avery Anderson right now, really the roster in a in state of flux right now, you've got five players who have exited. Uh, Keelan Boone, I mean, Donovan Williams, now Rondell Walker, and I would say that's the most significant loss out of the transfer portal to date. Um, you know, I – I think there's been a lot of uh, conversation about it. We can get to it a little bit more, but the bottom line is there's a lot of moving parts in college basketball right now. And yes. with, you know, for example, an Avery Anderson testing the NBA waters, you really don't know what's going to happen. I think you have an inkling. He's probably going to get a grade, probably going to get evaluated and come back, but that doesn't have to happen. So there's a little bit of uncertainty there and, I mean, you know, Dustin with him, like, what do you expect to see for me? Like, I, I think it's, he's going to get a grade. He's going to come back for his senior year. And, and that's just really where we're at. This is just part of the process at this point for these guys.
1: Yeah. And he put his name in last year, as you alluded to, and didn't get the grade he wanted. And I don't think there's any way he put on f- enough good tape on film this year that would surpass what he did a seat c- two seasons oh. ago. So I think he'll be coming back. I think he wants to be here. You see all the pictures and videos anytime Oklahoma State basketball posts anything on their social media with Avery practicing with the team. So I, I think I don't think there's any big to do there. I saw Mike Boynton tweet about it, just acknowledging it. I think Avery will be back. I, I would be shocked, and obviously he can't enter the portal now because that same deadline for football is for basketball. So I, I think I think he'll be back. And I'm glad you said he didn't enter
0: the portal because that's a thing that guys are doing right now is they will enter the NBA draft and enter the transfer portal at the same time. Why wouldn't you? Because now you can get a grade from the NBA. Anybody can contact you. It is literally like the most pure form of free agency I could possibly think of. And, and I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, but that's what it is. And so you know, I there's Kevin McCullough going through that right now. Huge story out of Texas Tech entering the portal and the NBA draft process. And he said, if I come back to college, if I come back, my top two schools are Kansas, Kansas, and Gonzaga. So it's just we're living in such a strange time right now. Uh, because you just like every offseason, you're gonna have multiple guys leave, and it may be guys like a Rondell Walker who you kind of had pegged as a four-year blue-collar Oklahoma State guy who, by all intents and purposes, is out the door.
1: We started hearing some smoke. I know he has a good connection with Eric Pastrana, former Oklahoma State assistant coach. He may be going to Florida, but then Pastrana is now at Georgia. So I heard anything since that kind of move happened. But then, you know, it was announced, I believe it was uh, on three – Matt Sinitz from there, who I think was the first one to say that Rondell had entered the portal. It's, it's tough. I know he was one of our favorites. He's, he's an Oklahoma city kid, a guy I got to write about a few times for pistols firing coming out of high school seemed like an awesome guy. He, he loved our videos during basketball season. He would tweet some of those on Twitter, but he, it's tough he, he didn't contribute a ton on the stat sheet but he was always the energy guy always playing great defense and you know with guys like Bryce Williams with graduation Isaac Likely Keelan Boone we listened them him off earlier Matthew Alexander Moncrief not as much Donovan Williams because he didn't get as many minutes but there's a lot of guys who played a lot of minutes on the team last year that are no longer going to be there no it's it's very strange and like
0: What's your? Can I get your take on one thing in that regard? Like, as a fan of college basketball, like you're an Oklahoma State guy through and through, like that's the case. But next year, you're going to come in. Rondell Walker's not going to be there. Isaac Likely's not going to be there. Bryce Williams is not going to be there. Um, Ke- Keelan Boone's not going to be there. There's some names missing does that do anything for you in a negative way about like how you look at college basketball? Because I think, I think that sport in particular, I think it's a problem in football, but I think in basketball, because there's 13 guys on a roster, it, it looks so
1: different year to year. Like, does that worry you at all? Yeah, it's definitely tough. It's tough in basketball anyway, with the, you know, the one and done as opposed to baseball and football where you, you come in, you have to be there for three years but yeah you're right it's it's hard to kind of connect to these guys and really become a fan of a single player because right. you don't know if they're going to be there next year and you literally have no idea because a guy like Rondell Walker you know it probably has something to do with Mike Boynton we've seen him in interviews say he believes Rondell's a 3 and D guy maybe Rondell didn't believe that but either way this is a guy who's gotten minutes and you thought was going to be a play a big role next year. And now he's gone. So you, you don't have any idea anymore. And that, I think that's where I am at too. Like
0: I think college basketball is one where you feel a different level of connection to these players, because if you go to a game, it is a totally different environment. It's 10 guys on a floor and five of them are wearing your color. And so, you know, who they are, what they've done for you in the past, what they could do for you in the future. Football is different. It's just completely different. So to me, like if any sport is going to feel the brunt of this, it's college basketball. And I don't, I don't mean to go off on this tangent, but I think it's important right now because I think you're starting to see it for the first time. Like we saw a little bit of it last year, a little bit of it the year before, but I mean, Rondell Walker leaving might be the most significant name exiting in the transfer portal that I can remember for oklahoma state basketball i mean isaac likely is a big one but that one was expected and on purpose this one i don't think was
1: yeah it's it's tough i i thought rondell was going to play a huge role and i liked him as a three and d guy myself i thought he could do that role really well and maybe maybe even a little bit more we've seen him do some things off the dribble and he's a really great cutter to the basket but you're, we're gonna miss his overall just hustle and energy that he brings on yeah. the floor so it's it's tough. And it's always tough when it's a Oklahoma city, a local kid that, that does something like this, that transfers away. So we'll see where he ends up. I'm wondering if if it would be with Matthew Alexander Moncrief in Georgia or something like that. So. Seems seems like it. Well, I mean,
0: it's just part of it right now. And because it's part of it, Oklahoma state's got a roster to build and they actually, I want to start with the recent commitment of John Michael, Wright. This is one that, I think might be a little polarizing, but given the stance, like what we just talked about, you've got five open roster spots, maybe more coming. You don't know. Um, John Michael Wright out of High Point uh, University, a 20-point a, a game two years ago, 18 points a game this last season. I think to me, it's like, that's a home run. I get like some of the like fit concerns about like, with Avery and Rice, how does that work? But let's, let's just call it how it is. Oklahoma state needs players and they need scoring. And I think John Michael Wright is that.
1: You're looking at a guy that started 85 college games over three years. How do you not love that? I love it. Big South all Freshman team. He's been first team all big South the past two years. Like you said, 17.4 points a game, career average, 2.9 assists, 4.9 rebounds. 1.2 1.2 steals. So he gets it done everywhere. 2.1 turnovers, but you can live with that with how much he's has the ball. Career 35% three-point shooter on six attempts a game, which is an elite level, but he puts them up and he gets them in. He's not afraid to shoot them. Last season he shot 36%. So a little bit higher than this career average. I was able to watch. I tried to watch, I watched the Kentucky game. They played Kentucky last season. I watched them play Winthrop who came in second to Longwood in the big South. And I actually watched the condensed game of Notre Dame as well. I just, I didn't post any clips from that one because it wasn't the full game. So I didn't get all all of his plays, but he looked good. He struggled. He had eight turnovers in the Kentucky game, but he was guarding Ty Ty Washington on the other end of man cover and man. And I was impressed overall with how he can play. I don't think he's an elite one-on-one defender. He's a probably a little bit above average team defender, maybe average team defender, but I think he can do enough at the power five level on defense to be able to get, get out there on the offensive end and really, really score at a high clip. And even if he's your first guy off the bench, he's a microwave scorer. He can get going quick. He doesn't need a lot of volume shots and, both of the games I watched, he started off extremely cold, and then just got hot out of nowhere by making like layups and free throws. So it's not, it's not like he needs to put up like a Ferran flavors who we saw come in. That's, that's right. a guy who needs his threes to get going, and I don't think Wright is like that. Which I don't think he can be like that because I
0: Dustin, I don't know if he's going to start, but he's certainly going to have an opportunity to at some point this season, whether it's game one, game fifteen. He's totally going to have an opportunity to start, which it really kind of leads us down a different rabbit holes. Like, is he the guy that they're wanting to stamp as the point guard of this class? I don't think so. I think they're still going to go after some somebody that can be a facilitator, shot creator and shot like maker. I think they still want somebody like that.
1: Yeah. I think what they're looking for in right is another guy that can come in and handle the ball that can shoot the three, like I said, above 35% for his career, not afraid to take them, can score off the dribble. I saw him setting screens out there. He'd cut off the ball, but even at high point, he didn't seem to be their primary point guard, especially not in the three games that I watched. He, he did bring the ball up. He did initiate the offense, but a lot of times he started as an off ball guard on their offensive sets, but he, He's six foot, one hundred eighty six pounds. He's got good handles. I noticed he does like to go to his right hand a lot on his drives, but he's so good with it, he can still get to the bucket even against teams like Kentucky and Notre Dame. I loved his quotes too about Oklahoma State. You know, he didn't even visit. He had a visit. <laughs> he did set up. He's still going to go, but he didn't even go. He said he just felt like Coach Boynton and the staff did the best job at recruiting him, and they talked about how much of a need he is for them, and he just felt it. Just felt like home just through those conversations. He didn't even need to see the campus. He said it's a business decision. So he's ready to come in and play. I like this guy a lot. Apparently he's a really good interview. And I, like you said, I don't know if he's a guy that comes in and starts right away, but we're definitely going to see a lot of John Michael Wright next season.
0: I, I totally agree with you. I, I really do like the fit here. I know I know a lot of others may not. I say a lot. There's There's a little bit of a vocal... Uh, presence on Twitter that you know may not love it but you move on Dustin to another guy who's
1: on campus this week yeah Kate, before before we move on did you like my comp I love you your comp it. of Brandon, Brandon Navarette? Navarette
0: fantastic
1: I, comp honestly it's more of a Brandon Navarette after he left Oklahoma State what he was able to do at so, some school in Utah and then the BYU right yep he transferred I, twice he did. He went to UT
0: Rio Grande Valley, if I'm not mistaken, because they're in the whack with my UMKC
1: ruse, So <laughs> But that was the Brandon Everett I was more thinking of, which he was at Oklahoma State. It just wasn't as many minutes and he was younger. But a guy, a volume score, pretty good shooter, not elite, that can get enough done on the defensive end to kind of, uh, you know, make his name felt out there. And I'm sorry, Brandon into
0: went to Utah Valley, not Utah valley, UT yeah. Rio Grande Valley. That is a different <laughs> valley with UT in, in it. Yeah, that yeah. is Utah, not the University of Texas. So I apologize for that. But Dustin, another guy who fits the role of what we just discussed, Alamir Dawes out of Clemson. Uh, this, to me, is a very interesting prospect. He's visiting Seton Hall right now. Just visited somewhere else. I had it pulled up and, and lost it but is actively going through the process right now. And to me, yeah, he went to Georgia. That's correct. Thank you. It's the role we just talked about. And if you want to go back to other feels like 45 podcast episodes, he might fit the Courtney Ramey role (laughs) that, that we've been discussing. So if they were to take John Michael Wright and potentially an Alamir Dawes, That might mean something uh, for some other conversations we've had. But I think would be a fantastic fit at Oklahoma State. 15 and a half points a game last year, I think, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, a
1: really interesting Good shooter, too, from three. Yeah, which they've got to have. Yeah, so I think, Kate, how do you feel if they end up with an Alamir Dawes and John Michael Wright but miss on Courtney Ramey? I don't love – point guard by committee um, do I.
0: I really like having a go-to guy um you have to wonder too if because you got to always approach these commitments with what spot they're filling and i wonder if john michael wright is filling the you know the isaac likely spot and a courtney ramey is plugging himself in wherever he needs to go So I wonder what happens with Alamir Dawes. I know there's a lot of smoke with him in Seton Hall. So I'll be curious to see what happens there. He might be Seton Hall bound from from what I've read. So we'll see what happens. I know he's going to be on campus this weekend, but I would prefer a Courtney Ramey, no doubt in my mind. And I know that that's something that's still on the table, which is a great thing to know, even after the John Michael Wright
1: commitment. And just to make everyone feel a little bit better. Kansas State has nine guys that left. Iowa State's got seven. OU and West Virginia also have five, like Oklahoma State. And Texas and Texas Tech had four. So pretty much every school in the Big 12 that's not Baylor, TCU, and Kansas had multiple guys leave, just as many or more. In oklahoma state. yeah that's tough and
0: i said alamir dawes is a 15 point scorer he's 11 points a game last year but double digits in the acc is like that's that's pretty good You'll, yeah anywhere come 11 in the big 19, 12 and, i think you could yeah, count
1: as the same number
0: yeah no doubt about it so dustin i mean any final thoughts there what do you think about him and and really the prospects for oklahoma state going forward
1: man it'd be nice to get courtney ramey <laughs> enough
0: said <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I agree completely. Uh, Dustin, really, I mean, moving on to, I mean, shifting gears here, Oklahoma State goes to Austin, takes care of business against Texas. I mean, that was
1: maybe as fun a series as we've had in in Stillwater in a long time. Oh, yeah. the, The Sunday game obviously was nuts, but the Friday game was wild as well. Yeah, it was. So they... So just to kind of run through it, Oklahoma State wins eight, six Friday, 14 to 3 on Saturday. And then they come back and they come back and win 10 to 8 on Sunday. Game one, you got Zach Earhard. Dude can hit the okay. The freshmen on this team, not all of them are starting, but a lot of them are getting playing time as either pinch hitters or guys that start every now and then. They're led by Zach Earhart and Rock Riggio. We know that, but Zach, these guys are just amazing. And Just watching them play is incredible. Zach went three for five in that game. David Mendham hit two home runs.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and three on the weekend.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Nolan McLean came in in the ninth inning. He's the closer now. We love Trevor Martin. Trevor Martin will probably close some still, but Nolan McLean is now the closer. Also, Cade, I know I've mentioned it on here before. I hate that the ump makes him take off his sweatpants and all the stuff on his wrist when he goes to pitch.
0: So I was listening. He doesn't to do these. it every
1: time either. It doesn't w- make any
0: sense. That's so <laughs> stupid. I was listening to the game on the radio. I didn't hear
1: that discussion at all. It's, so I don't know if the other team has to point it out or if it's an umpire thing, but I know he has pitched with those sweatpants on and then I know he has pitched without them on. You and know what the little bracelets he wears as well on his wrists. It seems like a Texas
0: thing to, to like call out from the dugout. He's wearing a wristband. You can't do that. That seems like a Texas thing.
1: But yeah. So in that game, Justin Campbell, I believe it was about four innings of just phenomenal work. He lets, he lets Texas get a few hits. They tie the game up. Oklahoma state comes back and answers. Ridge Geo smacks an RBI single Cowboys take the lead. Then you get to the end. You get to the end, and like I said, Zach Earhart with the game-winning RBI. Not, I mean, game-winning runs. Not at that time because Texas still had the bat. And then McLean comes in and closes it out. So game one was amazing. Game two is just utter domination. You got Thompson, Dorshing, Mindham, and McLean all hitting home runs. Your boy Bryce Osmond getting the Saturday start because yeah, he's been dude. pitching so well. And he goes five and a third shutout innings. Yeah, and I think was one hitting them at at a for a long time. Yeah, just absolutely struggled a little bit in the sixth. They pull him out. Houston Morrow comes in. He gives up a late home run, but Houston looked really good. That was his first career save. Osmond, he's the Saturday starter now, Kate. I don't even. We'll get to Victor Madero's in the next game, but even if Madero's is not injured long term, I think Osmond's your Saturday guy. Yeah, I think as long as. All three are healthy. I think just based
0: on merit, Osmond has earned that Saturday starting role. I think so.
1: His issue in the past has been consistent consistency. I think what, four starts in a row now, he's been pretty much lights out. I think you call that consistency. I think he might have figured it out. Let me knock on wood, but I think he's figured it out. Seems like it. So I, I,
0: there's not much more you can say about the Saturday game than domination. Take me through game three. yeah well game three i listened to on the radio like i had to do all of these because if you stream nowadays you can't watch the longhorn network so that's outrageous but anyway regardless rex and the chief do a fantastic job uh keeping us informed on the radio and i mean it was i mean a a slobber knocker pretty early on it felt like (laughs) oklahoma state was I mean, it was just going to be one of those Sunday letdowns that we've not come to know, but there's been a couple of those this season where it's like, ah, you got Friday, Saturday, you're willing to give up Sunday. Well, they get down seven, nothing. And I mean, with, with what felt like the snap of your fingers, Oklahoma state gets a, a three run double off the wall wow. from rock Ridge, you know, bases load back up. And Griffin Dorshing smashes a homer over the left field wall and Oklahoma State's got the lead. I think that happened in like 15 like real minutes, which is unbelievable. The seventh
1: inning was 55 minutes long.
0: Yeah. And, and those like eight runs happened in 20 (laughs) minutes. It felt like, because it was three run double off the wall, walk, walk Homer grand slam. It was like, it it did not take long.
1: Yeah. It was just, it was amazing from the Oklahoma State offense. And we've seen them almost come back against Oral Roberts. We've seen them come back from down multiple times a season. And you just got to remember, when it's baseball, when it's in the conference, Oklahoma State is never going to give up. Uh, none of these teams are. It's a nine-inning game. I wouldn't count the Oklahoma State Cowboys out until the final out of the ninth inning. Crazy. because yeah because Because these back – these bats can get going anytime. So, weird thing that happened at the beginning of that game, we mentioned Victor Madero's injury. So, Medeiros is throwing some warm-up pitches before the game. grabs his left side, I believe, after one of the pitches. They end up showing a replay later. Josh Holiday comes out to the mound. It looks like there was a hole in the mound from where the pitchers were landing because it looks like the mound was wet, like oversaturated. The Texas grounds crew Josh Holiday even mentioned it after the game, did a horrible job. He's, you know, he said, yeah, You got one, one patch of dirt get, to take care of. Yeah, they couldn't get the mound. So Medeiros must have hurt himself stepping into that hole that he probably helped create. They come back, they fix the dirt. Medeiros throws a couple more warm up pitches. Well, they end up taking him out of the game. So we haven't heard an update on his injury. Trevor Martin comes in, and that's kind of where Texas started their big run. Medeiros think gave up one in the first on a bulk but he was actually pitching okay in that inning Trevor Martin comes out and gives a back-to-back-to-back home runs yeah he did <laughs> but you're asking him to come in in a pretty impossible situation he has like no time to warm up had no idea he was going to pitch at that time he's coming in you know just cold basically and has to come in there so the fact that Oklahoma State was able to come back win this game they put some more runs in later Brett Brown with a single to score a run late. It's just, it was just an amazing victory. Yeah. And it gets you the sweep in Austin, who was ranked number 10
0: uh, in the country. And I think we talked about it last week. You really just wanted to win that series and you win it on Saturday. But then you come back from down seven runs and just almost like slam the door on Texas. It was, it was pretty impressive. And I think it's a performance that can propel them into a really strong late May, June push for Omaha. It's all, it, it feels like one that you need to bookmark, in my opinion. It's not the series. It's the Sunday game to sweep Texas that I think is one that you can look back on and think, okay, that might be where the tide started turning because they were already playing well up before that. But not long ago, they lost three out of four in one week, and people started to ask a lot of questions. And then you just go to Austin and, and sweep the number 10 team in the country, plus a win at Wichita State during the week. Like things are things are looking up and the schedule, at least in the short term, is friendly. You obviously close against Texas Tech, but you got Southeast Missouri State coming up and then a one-game series against Dallas Baptist. I mean, I I think I think there's I think there's four wins coming up on the schedule before they get to Texas Tech.
1: Yeah, Southeast Missouri State's no slouch. I believe they're 48th in RPI, but Oklahoma State should come in and sweep them. They've got Dallas Baptist. I think you got to get two out of three against Tech, and then you need a sweep Baylor. Baylor's not very good, so oh, that's right. They, they should, do. Yeah, they should be able to sweep them if they go five and one in those Big 12 games. I think they're a for sure lock for a top eight national seed to host the super regional. I don't even think they need to win a game in Arlington in the Big yeah. 12 tournament if they do that because they'll finish. They'll most likely finish number one in the Big 12. So we'll see how it goes. I'm excited. I think we're going to do a giveaway for the Southeast Missouri State Saturday game. So Cade and I will have some more info for that on the Twitter. But it's exciting. And I think you're right. I think this Texas win on Sunday could kind of propel them to go on a little run here. It was fun to watch Texas walk back to their dugout with their
0: heads hung real, real low. It's always a good feeling.
1: Agree. And shout out to uh, Nolan McLean. He was co Big Twelve Player of the Week. He he actually on Sunday he took two walks and the other two at bats he didn't get a hit. So he ended his ten game hit streak.
0: Ah, well, that's a bummer.
1: He's on a little run there. I believe he has hits in 14 of his last 16. So yeah. His solid. that's kind of hot.
0: As hot as anybody right now and still does the strikeout homer thing, but he's hitting a lot of baseball.
1: So you'll, yeah, you'll take it. He's up to uh, I believe almost 280 batting average. So he, Good deal. You know, he was really low earlier in the year with those yeah. strikeouts. So
0: yeah, he was really low and leads the team in homers. It's like, okay, that's <laughs> that's set that backs up what I've been saying, but he, he's awesome and I think is like Man, if he could just figure it out late, Oklahoma State is going to be so tough to beat. I mean, anybody's going to have trouble with them. So, um, Dustin, not a great week for for Oklahoma State softball in Tallahassee. Lost both games, two to one. Um, really, just couldn't get the bats going at all, and uh, you know, not enough to overcome overcome the Seminoles.
1: Yeah, Florida State's got some great pitching. They're ranked number four, or basically top five in every poll for a reason. They're a really good team. And you said not a great weekend for the Cowgirls. It wasn't a great weekend overall. They had issues with their flights. Their bats get there like right before the game. Just all, everybody's tired. No one knows where their luggage is. Then they come in and lose two to one, like you said, in nine innings. And then two to one on the Friday game, despite both games losing Kelly Maxwell in game one and then Morgan Day in game two. They pitched absolute lights out. Maxwell pitched pretty much the entire time against Florida state in game one, Morgan day looked really good in hers. Like you said, they just weren't really able to get anything going. Miranda Ellis did not hit or pitch in game one. She comes in and hits in game two. Kenny Gaieski said he probably should have had her hit in game two, but you know, these close losses on the road, they don't hurt the Cowgirls RPI at all. They didn't drop them in the rankings at all on D1 softball. So, like you said, not a great weekend, but they showed they could compete. I think it was great to go and play this series this late in the season. A really tough road opponent, especially before somebody like OU. Yeah, you know, it gets it, it's not a great momentum builder losing twice, but you've shown you can hang with some of the best on the road after a horrible travel situation. So they come back and they have OU and Cade. We've heard a little bit of an update on Miranda Ellish she did tear a tendon in her bicep. It's either all the way torn or almost all the way torn. But Kenny Gajewski said after game one at Florida state had her in the batting cages, Oklahoma state softball legend, Michelle Smith was in there as well. Talking to oh, Coach wow. Kenny. And Miranda just bashes the first two balls in batting practice, turns back and smiles at both of them. And he was like, okay, I got to let her hit. So she comes out and she gets, she gets a hit as well. And, I think they're going to try to let her pitch because you can't do any more damage to it now. And it's just a pain thing. And Miranda Ellish, we've seen, you're going to have to lock her in a cage for her to not go out there. She's one of the toughest athletes, much less softball players I've ever seen. So we'll see. I think her first time in live action pitching was going to be today. And we'll see what happens this weekend against OU, but no matter what she's going to hit, and that bat is probably the best lineup, the best bat in your lineup right now. So that's, yeah, big.
0: that's so important. I mean, let's be honest though, Dustin, if you or me are tearing, <clears throat> pardon me, if you or me tear attended in our bicep, are we calling off work tomorrow? I mean, that's, yeah, I am, I mean, I'm calling I might out, go ahead and dig the grave and get in it. Yeah. That's what I'm saying, dude. I'm like done. you're going to have to do full diagnostics on me. Like you're going to have to lock me <laughs> up. Cause I, I mean, I I wouldn't take that well, and you got Miranda Elish out here just, like, bashing Homer still. She's going to be fine, you hope, but, like, that's still a big deal. Still a big
1: deal. These these one or two or these transfers that Kenny gets in, like a Shaw, like an Elish, they come in and they just – they become your favorite player because he knows how to – you know, Kenny knows what he's doing. He knew Ellis was not only a great player, but a great person. If you haven't listened to her Orange Power podcast interview, where she talks about her mental health stuff and just kind of how she recovered from that, and just the toughness to go out and hit with a fully torn bicep tendon, it's just it's just amazing. She's obviously now one of my f- favorite players after getting to know her a little bit better through those interviews and through her play. So it's just really awesome to see. But Cade the big series coming up on Thursday on ESPN. Then we've got ESPN two on Friday and then ESPN U on Saturday. Do the girls get against OU? Yeah, I, this is,
0: this is a scary one because it's like it, it, the whole season has been converging to this point. You kind of thought maybe, and now it is, and it's six versus one. And it's whoever wins the series is the big 12 champ. It literally Oklahoma State, here's what I think is going to happen. Oklahoma State's going to win on Thursday. And they're just going to need to get one. And the question is, can they do it? What do you think? How do you feel about this with Miranda Ellis's injury? It's in Norman. What do you think? So here's the
1: thing. Kelly Maxwell has shown all year she's faced the best hitters in college softball. You can't hit her. She's going to keep it at under three runs. Oklahoma State has got to do a good job of generating runs. They've got to hit well with two strikes. They've got to hit well with two outs. You cannot get discouraged when you're down in the count or down in the inning. You've got to hit. They have got to get base runners. If that means you got to bunt and you're not someone that normally bunts, you've got to bunt. You need your Kylie Naomi's. You need your Haley Busby's if she's playing or pinch hitting to get the bats going. And if, if Miranda Ellis can pitch on Friday, that would be huge, but I'm not worried. I'm fine with Morgan Day. She has looked awesome in her two starts since uh, Ellis has been out and she pitched against Florida state and did really, really well, as we already mentioned. I think Oklahoma state can win two of these games. Do I think they're going to, I, I don't know if you made me bet You'll, on you'll have to ask on it, us
0: on Sunday, <laughs> but,
1: but I, I think they can win two of these games.
0: Well, man you hope so I mean it's 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 just tough OU's absolutely loaded but I think Oklahoma State has what you have to do you nailed it I mean I think they have the pitching it's just if they can manufacture enough scoring enough offense that's what's going to be the difference and against it I mean a Jocelyn Alo who might be the best hitter in college softball history um I don't even know if there's a might about that anymore I think that's just the fact is she's the best hitter in college softball history <laughs> so like you got a big challenge in front of you. And uh, getting two though, all you need's two. I want to say that they bat like four fifteen or something as yeah, a team. It's it's outrageous. They haven't played Oklahoma State yet, though. Um, and, they, and they haven't played They Kelly didn't, they didn't yeah. struggle against UCLA, they didn't struggle against big teams, but they did lose against Texas. They lost one. And so if you can get Oklahoma to lose one of those first two games, I mean. You're, you're right there and then all bets are off for for a third game so i think they can do it it's just the question is will they so who yeah. knows uh dustin a couple other housekeeping items to keep track of before we move on to questions women's golf moving on to regionals and the men's golf selection show uh coming up tomorrow so as you're listening to this it'll be today uh on wednesday but finish the second in the big 12 i mean anything anything sticking out to you there
1: the girls should win the regional. I, I expect them to. So hopefully they will. And the guys, I, I actually don't know how it works. Are, would they host if the girls are hosting right before? Does that normally happen? I'm sure that's had to. Oh, that's
0: a before. good question. I'm not Cause sure. Cause it's like the
1: next week.
0: Uh, I
1: would not think they would host. I think we were talking in the GPS chat with our buddy, uh, Alabama poke. So I think he brought that up and it was a good point. I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure how that works, but. I may try to go to one of the two to either the women or the men. So well, bring, bring some merch. (laughs) Yeah. I'll take, I'll take some pics and put in videos and put them on the, the Twitter. But yeah, I think, I think that's it, Kate. I think, I think I'm good to move to questions if you are.
0: No, I am. And we've actually got one to bring in from last week that we missed friend of the pod, Ryan Winkle. I appreciate you sending this in last week. With the technical difficulties, it was, yeah, getting my fault, su- Ryan. it was getting super late, a.k.a. 8.30 on a Wednesday. Like, I was getting tired. I didn't see your question. But, Ryan, I've got it here, and we're going to lead off with you. What up, guys? So, obviously, last year we had probably the best defense in school history, and we're pretty good just across the board. Um, but hypothetical, let's say at the end of this coming season – That I told you there was one category that the defense was better this season than they were last season. What category do you think it would be? So better this season than they were last season. Defensive line, hundred percent, not a question in my mind. Is that what he's meaning by category? Like unit? That's I would think it's a unit, and to me. It's not even a question. I think they'll take a step back at linebacker. They'll take a step back in the secondary. Maybe small steps, as small as they may be. Defensive line, hundred percent is it.
1: They didn't lose anybody. They just added. Yeah, you've got you've got Tyler Lacey who's back. You've got a more experienced Colin Oliver. You've got Brock Martin back. You've got Trace Ford who wasn't there last year. You've got Colin Clay who'd been dealing with injuries. You've got Aiden Kelly who has been, you know, just cu- trying to get up to power five level coming out of high school. Those are guys, a couple of those guys I mentioned, you can't even count on last year's team. So like you said, they really just added people. They didn't lose anybody. And one of those guys they added is Trace Ford. Yeah, yeah. just the, the first generational talent we talked about before his
0: knee injury. And then Colin Oliver came along. So I, I'm with you completely. All right, another question here from friend of the pod, my brother, Cameron. What's up, guys? It is Cameron Webb. Uh, I wanted to get you guys' thoughts on this Jordan Addison situation. Uh, obviously, the pit transfer going to USC uh, for a million, multi-million dollar NIL deal. Um, I am officially smashing the panic button for a school like Oklahoma State in this situation because uh, this was not what this was intended to do,
1: and we are a prime school to get picked off of really good talent. So let me know what you guys' thoughts on this are, uh, and talk me off the ledge, please. So. <laughs>
0: Thank you, Cameron. I, I appreciate that. We've been texting about this the last couple of days, and I, I think I agree with you. Obviously, Jordan Addison being recruited to enter the transfer portal, which is just such a weird thing to say, but it's absolutely the way it's happening. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, if you think about a, a Talon Shetran, for example, goes and gets 800 yards this season, 1,600 next year, wins Blitnikov. Who comes calling? I mean, does USC come calling with $3 million in tow? Probably. I mean, yeah, I think Oklahoma state, you know, for what they'll potentially lose out of the transfer portal, I think they can gain back in players like, I don't know, a Trey Rucker. uh, You know, they'll, they'll get some guys back in a Prince Pines who didn't ultimately come to campus, but I mean, they added plenty of talent, Jason Brooks, Casey Collier out of the transfer portal. So I'm not ready to smash the, tra- the panic button yet. What I will say, and this is just the only thing I'll say about it, you cannot have full-fledged free agency and NIL at the same time, in my opinion. You can't have both, like, with no parameters. They don't even do that in the NFL and NBA. If, if, if you're – they've got salary caps, they've got anti-tampering. We don't have any of that in college sports, and we basically have a more free model – than professional athletes do, so that's all I'm going to say about that. Dustin, your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I, I think one thing that would help maybe in the transfer realm. And, Cade, you know this is not this is not my area of expertise. <laughs> anything, anything nil. You don't want to go full skip Bayless on us here. <laughs> this is just not really where I uh, where I make my money talking about this stuff. But I think help what would help with the transfer portal is to add back you have to sit a year. I know they kind of took that away Man, with COVID and everything happened. If, if you add that back, I don't think, I think there are guys out there who would really, you know, really would want to go play at a big time school, like, and, you know, transfer to an Alabama, but if they know for a fact, they have to sit out a year and they know for a fact that team is bringing in a bunch of five-star recruits, a bunch of really talented high school guys and other transfers it's just going to add to the people they have to fight for with the spot. So I think that would deter people from transferring a little bit. Obviously, you have to have the caveat that if the guy, the whole coaching staff leaves, then you can transfer and play immediately somewhere. So you'd still probably have to have that in there because that's not really fair to the, to the players if you don't have that. But I think if you go back to that. And in the NIL standpoint, I think you just got to do what Gundy keeps saying and just get the administration, the boosters, the alumni just to keep giving back and make Oklahoma State the na- keep making them the national brand that they are to so where he can keep talking about we got a logo too and stuff like that after the bowl games. So.
0: Man, I I completely agree. It's, it's a weird time and um, I don't want to spend too much time on it but I, I do think it's a good opportunity to just discuss what I've been thinking and you've got to have caps somewhere and I love your idea of of at least bringing back some sort of restriction on like immediate transferring I mean look at Teddy Allen right now dude the kid out of New Mexico State he is entering his sixth year of eligibility in college basketball and will be transferring for the sixth time like he will have spent one year on a roster six times by the end of his career that is not in my opinion, what, what it was supposed to be about, but that's neither here nor there. It's impressive
1: that he gets all those credits to transfer.
0: Yeah. Is he, is he though? Do we know (laughs) that? So anyway, shout out Teddy buckets. Um, All right, Dustin, you got questions in front of you?
1: Yeah. And thanks Cameron. Always love your questions. They always, they always make me think. So thank you for getting my brain going this late at night and I'll probably be up real late, but uh, (laughs) and Ryan, thank you. And sorry for missing that Ryan. That was completely on me, my technical issues. So my bad there. I disagree.
0: I think I saw it and (laughs) forgot about it.
1: So So we've got Kyle C. uh, at the OK State Fan 05. Kyle sends us in a lot of questions and also gave us some really nice words on Twitter in a message one time. So, Kyle, love you for that. And we always like your questions. He's got a two-parter. So as of today, May 3rd, what do you see the starting lineup being for the basketball squad? In part two, I always have been impressed with Woody Newton's play when he sees the court he has to see a huge jump in minutes with all the portal entries, right? Do you want to take that first kid?
0: Yes. Uh, he will see a huge jump in minutes, but we'll figure out if that's a good thing or not later. Um, <laughs> I like his game, but he just can't play defense. So we'll see if that changes. The next part to your question, Kyle, um, Kyle C. What do you see the starting lineup being for the basketball squad? I think it's, Musa Cissé at the five Tyreek Smith at the four Bryce Thompson at the three Avery Anderson at the two and Courtney Ramey at the one
1: <laughs> answer it without Courtney Ramey because I think that's what okay getting at. uh but point I do guard to, answer
0: point guard to be named later at the one I don't yeah. know if it's John Michael Wright I just don't see it but well uh, maybe maybe he comes in and starts I just I think they'll go get somebody else too
1: yeah I agree I, I don't I don't really know what you would run out there right now with the roster as it is currently. Besides the four you mentioned, so I think it is a to be determined later.
0: Courtney Ramey at the one is a fantastic fit for everybody involved, and I'm just going to say that. Like, he's a pick and roll guy. If he wants to run it, like that's, I I think it would be a great fit. So anyway, well, I anyway, guess you could I'll just say. go
1: super big: Caleb Boone, Tyreek, <sighs> Musa, Avery, and Bryce. That's what I'll go with. If you have
0: to Bryce can run the one, that's right. He can totally do that.
1: No, I love that question. Kyle. Honestly, I don't, I don't know at this this time because I think you still need a point guard or at least you still, you need another starter. Really? And I do love the Woody Newton call out. It's not so much his one-on-one defense. I think we've seen the issues on his team defense. Yeah. Especially Mike Boynton does some of those film sessions that are on OSU max. And I believe he's called out both Keelan Boone and Woody Newton and those as just kind of, yeah, like the they, they don't really session.
0: know what defense they're in because of those guys.
1: So. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, we've got a few more. We've got Brian Metcalf at Brian J. Metcalf. Brian, thanks for this question. It says, how does the new conference members coming in early benefit or hurt if any TV contract negotiations that are coming up? Cade, I literally have no idea. How does the new conference members coming in early benefit TV contract negotiations,
0: negotiations that are coming up? Yeah. So it doesn't impact anything today. It's just, you got two more mouths to feed. So nothing changes there, uh, except that Oklahoma state loses money. Um, and conference members coming in early for upcoming TV negotiations. I don't think it matters because it looks like negotiations start after OU and Texas are projected to leave the conference anyway. So I don't really know, Brian, there are a lot of people that get paid a lot more money in this industry to talk about things like this that I'm really not sure of. So Brian, that's, that's really what I got for you.
1: That was a pretty good answer though, Cade. And Brian, my apologies. I I did not have time to kind of research Mm -hmm. this question at all. And this is, as I said earlier, when we were talking in IL, this is just not my, uh, it's not my bag, but I will try my best to answer these questions in the future.
0: Hey, that's okay. I frankly, I just pulled that out. Is it true? I don't know. We'll
1: find out later. (laughs) Okay. We got Chris Gibbons. I believe Chris has answered or asked some questions on the pod before at Chris74gibbons. He says Big 12 football alignment needs to think outside the box here. I say four three team pods. Always play your pod. Rotate two of other three pods. This gives eight games, then take ones, twos, threes, and place each in a four team bracket. Winners versus winners, losers versus losers, gives 10 games. First Whoa. game home, second Vegas. Chris, that is a lot, and I yeah, love it. Chris, that's
0: that's the musings of a madman, and I, I like the idea. Holy cow, that would that's a lot of, of things going on there. I actually need to read this again. So, Dustin, I mean, you feel free to well, answer he, this until I can fully understand what we're looking at. Chris
1: like also gave us some... Names of those pods. I don't know if the network would be mad. At I think us you're co- not for reading. I some think of you're these. correct that we should not. So, but Chris, I enjoyed reading them, and thank you. They were very funny. They are. They are funny. And I, I mean, I love everything you said. I, I think you're a mad genius.
0: Yeah, this is like mad scientist stuff. I said musings <laughs> of a madman. That's a little degrading and not what I meant. I just meant more like
1: mad scientist Jim Knowles type energy here. Yes. hundred percent. I, I know. What you. Mean. Okay. We've got two more. So we've got coach Hamby our over under the pod Actors of Cowboys. We love these questions. We've hit on this one, but I don't think we talked about it in the form of a question. So I, I do like this one here, especially now with the offensive line news of Cole Birmingham and Prince Pines. I don't think we've talked about it since then over under 10 total wins for the football team, this up- upcoming se- season. Including the bowl game.
0: Because it's at 10, that makes this a little tough. If it was at nine and a half, I'd take the over, but you can win the Big 12 and only win 10 games this year. Like you can go 10 and two, or you can go nine and three in conference, get in the Big 12 title game, win. That's 10 games, and then lose your bowl game and go 10 and four. So I'm going to take. I'm going to take the over, but only because I would take 10 in a normal, in a normal, like nine and a half is the line. I'd take 10. 11 feels like a lot to me, but we'll see.
1: Yeah. I, I also want to say 10. I'm looking at the schedule right now and I'm counting off the wins. It's a tougher schedule this year that I think are pretty likely. And then I'm giving, I'm giving us the bowl game just because, we've done well in bowl games recently man i want to push at 10 that's a really good line i'll go under yeah if i can push i'll push yeah if you said over i'll say under i say they drop i say they have you know maybe a couple injuries on the offensive line and they not not serious ones but they drop a game they're not supposed to and they and you know what i'm gonna say they lose the bowl game i mean hey they got central michigan coming back this year so you never know (laughs) So nine wins, but one of the losses is the bowl game. So it's actually still a really good regular season. Yeah, yeah,
0: very true. I I okay, like that's,
1: that's me trying to talk myself down off the orange, like the ledge jumping into a pool of orange Kool-Aid.
0: Yeah, which is what this podcast is for sure. Um, yes. Coach, great question. I, I would pick 10. So like I, I would push if that's an option, but if I had to pick, I'll go over rather
1: than under. So Yeah, no, I like that. And then we've got one more from Dalton Johnson at Garden Rake Lover. He says, (laughs) if you all had the power to choose what conference OSU goes to besides the new Big 12, what would it be? Financially and academically, I'd say the Big 10, but culturally we fit more in the SEC and have pre-existing rivals. Discuss. Okay, We will
0: discuss. Dustin, I want the Big 10. Like, that's what I want. I think – it might be the most, I don't know if it's the most likely. I think big 10 or sec are the most likely followed by staying in the new big 12. I think, I think moving is more likely than staying. Um, And if I had to, had to, had to pick one of those, I would think they end up in the sec, but I want the big 10. I think Oklahoma state would be in a very unique spot that doesn't make it a good spot. Like you could end up being Nebraska, way out of nowhere, but I think they can still recruit Texas. I think they can still recruit Oklahoma and then like tell a bunch of Texas kids that, you know, maybe tech passed on or OU passed on, Hey, you want to go play Ohio state and Columbus this fall? Cause that's what we're going to go do. So I think that, I think it could fit quite well. And I really think that's what Oklahoma state is angling for. Look at the messaging. They're talking about becoming a better research institution. They're touting their current academic uh, profile If they were headed to the SEC, they'd be talking about championships. So,
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I think if you made me guess, I would probably say the Big Ten. But, man, it's so hard for me if you're going to give me the choice to not pick the SEC. Just, you know, 16 years of my life was nothing but SEC football growing up. So It would be pretty awesome for you. They've always got a place in my heart, you know, both – both my parents and most of my family on both my mom and dad's side attended LSU. So, I, if if I got to choose any, I'd pick SEC just to be just to be in that kind of world with you know family and I mean, friends and things like that. So
0: an SEC pod with OU, Texas, Arkansas, LSU, and I mean that would be pretty fun. I would think so.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, Kid, we actually did have one more. This was sent in a direct message. I almost missed it. So this is from Dayday at Daylon Green. For tonight's show, what does OSU need to do to take the next step in recruiting? We always seem to find success or overachieve relative to recruiting rankings. I know culture is a huge part of that, but what can OSU do to combine more talent than we have seen in the past with what we know is great winning culture? I think it's just Gundy, what Gundy's hit on. You just got to spend the money, money in there. Yeah. And I I think so. Upgrade The facilities keep winning uh, have both your linebackers get drafted in the NFL draft, you know?
0: Yeah. I, I think I agree completely with you, Dustin. Um, I, I frankly don't even know if I have more to add other than like, I don't know if Mike Gundy will ever be the type to go out and, Throw a net out to every five star recruit in the in the you know database. That's never going to be what he does. He's always going to be the one that you wish would recruit talent a little bit more. But they were number five headed into conference championship weekend last last year. So end of sentence. They they're doing enough. They just yeah maybe could do a little bit more in the budget department uh, to make their job a little bit easier.
1: Yeah, I think I think. Oklahoma State fans would be satisfied being top 20 and every now and then top 15, as opposed to sometimes in the 30s, 40s, and the good years being in the mid-20s. Yeah, I, I think that would be kind of the the gold standard for Oklahoma State. It would never be a, a top five, I don't think, in football. Yeah, no,
0: I'm totally with you. I never see that happening, but uh, it would be a strange day if it ever did. Dustin, that's it. We said short pod, we didn't deliver it, but that's okay. Uh, this was fun. shorter, short, short, it, shorter by probably about five minutes, but that's okay. Nobody's complaining, I'm sure not. It was great talking to you. Um, any final thoughts before we get out of here?
1: No, just hey, have a great birthday. Hey, I'll thanks. I'll text you tomorrow and <laughs> tell you again.
0: Thank you. I will tell you thank you for the third time uh, tomorrow when you text me. Uh, I appreciate that. You know, one other thing is beat OU, man. Beat them. Let's do it twice.
1: Very excited. We've got hockey playoffs and softball on Thursday. That's that's just good TV right there.
0: That'll work. That'll work, especially with the Royals not being any good. So, anyway, Dustin, great talking to you as always. Appreciate you, man. If you haven't already, go check out the Twitter thread on the latest transfer, John Michael Wright. We talked about him on the podcast. But if you haven't seen him, Dustin put together an unbelievable Twitter thread, breaking down his tape, his shot selection, what he's good at, what he maybe can improve on. And then go follow John Michael Wright. I looked at him. I noticed he only had like 700 followers on Twitter. Go give him some love at John underscore Wright 11. Got to go do that. I think that's the first time we've ever plugged some athletes Twitter handle, but we're doing it. (laughs) Got to follow that guy. Uh, But Dustin, I appreciate you. If you're not already, follow Dustin at DustRagu. Follow me at CadeWeb and follow the main page at Feels Like 45 pod which just crossed over. 1500 followers, which very thankful for that. Uh, Appreciate you guys supporting the show. Tell your friends, continue doing it. Let's get to 2000 before football season rolls around. That should be easy at this rate. So Dustin, appreciate you, brother. I will talk to you next week. Go Pokes.